This week on the Magnificently Huge Podcast, Radiohead. Welcome to the Magnificently Huge Podcast with your hosts, Eric Reed, Brian Kruger, and Chris Ryerson. Three idiots who decided to slap an adverb together with an adjective to bring you one magnificently huge discussion each week about the movies and pop culture we kind of like, maybe even secretly love, before we ultimately crap all over them. We're not here to save the world, we're just here to make it weirder, one podcast at a time. This is Magnificently Huge. Radiohead's one of those bands from the 90s that, well, they're really the 90s and the zeros that are very inaccessible. Um, If you're an Uber fan, you like that. If you've never really given them a shot, you don't know where to jump in. This podcast is for those people. This is where you maybe want to jump in and start. Maybe this is where you want to start. Okay. In the meantime, I'm going to have pizza. Radiohead. So the Earth is dying. Uh, we yes, we, we have like we 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 have a fifty percent reduction in our our wheat production in the U.S. Uh, that says nothing about the Ukraine. Um, what is it? Rogue icebergs in Iceland are gonna raise the sea level ten inches, and there's nothing we can do about it. Uh, we're screwed. This is the last year, I think, possibly. <laughs> you wish. You wish. You wish. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so let's talk about pop culture and fun stuff. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the show. Hey. Hi. I, I think we're going we're gonna to experience our first Roland Emmerich documentary in the next year. <laughs> so, so if only it was as would be as awesome as yeah, that. No, right? it would be so I mean, much slower and lamer. Yeah, nothing could top the moon being an actual spaceship. Uh, bent on attacking Earth, I think that's that's the uh, the apex right there. Call it uh, a anyway. Do we introduce ourselves since we? No, we totally story? didn't. Yeah, people don't <laughs> know who we are by now. We're really famous. But what if they're new? What if they're new to to the planet? Yeah, everybody. Every show is somebody's <laughs> first show. Okay, fair enough. Yeah. So this is Chris. Hello. Hello. This is Brian. Hello. I'm Eric. Hi. Hello. <laughs> and this, and this is the magnificently huge bullshit. Uh, <laughs> let's just let's just do the fresh shit, shall we? This shit is fresh. Oh shit! It's fresh. This stuff is real. You're bringing me down, Eric, like you always do. With your yay, thank you. With your good news about the dying planet. Well, Sounds I'm like just a- amazed. It's like okay. I, I, I always like think I'm being negative, and then I read shit, and I'm like, no, I'm not. It's worse. <laughs> it's, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, 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 it's I, a Gen I re- X podcast for Gen X people. Everybody, you know the drill. Well, you know, I, I recently have- realized. I recently uh-huh. realized things are never as bad as they seem. Unfortunately. Right? It, it can always get just a little worse? Is that what you're saying? Right. There is no bottom. If yes. only they were as bad as they seem. Yeah. I feel like this is the, the perfect uh, show for Radiohead in that regard then. I mean... I, I do too. Yeah. Mm. I, think, I, I feel like that's the, the spiritual theme of your, uh, your topic this week, sir. But, uh, but first, I want to hear one of the five billion things that Brian has done 
since last we spoke. I do too. Honestly, uh, let me go last so that if I happen to have any also, overlap with you. <laughs> like there's going to be any overlap. Okay, ever. fine. I mean, I can I can do I okay, I guarantee there's no overlap with this one. Okay. While we're on on a show about um music adjacent artsy weird bullshit, um I went and saw in a theater no less, um Forbidden Zone, which is the, oh, the uh, 1970-something movie by Danny Elfman's brother featuring the Mystic Knights of the Uengo yes. Boingo. And oh, Irvi Villachay. Irvi Villachay. Don't forget. Yes. <laughs> I, I came out of it going, I don't know if I'm bringing this for fresh shit or if I'm going to make Chris and Eric watch this thing. <laughs> it's been forever since I've seen it. It's That's just one of those, like, you have to watch it once because it's just fucking weird kind of a thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, this is this is a bunch of horny ass, you know, art people with very little money, but just enough that they can like get some film and and make a movie. And yeah, it's um yeah, it exists. Um, is it uh, is it truly the genesis of Oingo Boingo though, or were they a thing before the movie. I mean, right? the Mystic Knights of the Uengo Boingo were a thing, okay. and and that's where all of the, the band members come out of, and so they were doing a stage show, but largely they weren't doing original material. They were doing Cab Calloway and things like that on stage, but gotcha. in their style, and, and as it was kind of coming to an end, the, the apparently the point of this movie was to try and capture some of that show on a film, and so that's one of the reasons why I think everybody on on camera is basically wearing stage makeup, but is on camera. Right. Um, but it's all of them. It is the it is actually the first film score Danny Elfman did because the music, especially all the music underneath, is him. But there's also songs sung by other characters, yeah. like the Queen, um, who who. Whose look must have been the inspiration for the hair, makeup, and costume for Ricky's mom in Better Off Dead, um, this <laughs> queen character. Um, but there are clearly songs that are being sung, you know, by these characters that are Oingo Boingo songs, and and Forbidden Zone itself is basically the first Oingo Boingo song. Yeah. Um, so you- yeah, it kind of is, and honestly, Danny Elfman's performance of many the moocher um as satan is is so far and away the most entertaining thing in this movie that it's like okay yeah that should be what you guys go do <laughs> and they right. did okay well son let me tell you i'm so pleased to meet you the boys and i've been expected to greet you as guests of honor in the house of the dead just relax, lay yourself down, say goodbye to your head. Hi, hi, hi. 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 Hi, hi, but it carries that same vibe, so they do a lot of, like, German expressionism and shit. It's, but it's also very chaotic and very loosely plotted. I, I vaguely remember that the people who did that were, were like a 
like a straight to video porn people yeah, yeah, who, yeah, who yeah. were trying to pretend to be legitimate. Basically. Is that the one you're referring to? Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> Yeah. Is that the the vibe for Forbidden Zone? It's been so long. I, I mean, Forbidden Zone is more um borscht belt or slapstick than that, right? Like it's it's got people playing Jewish stereotypes who were themselves Jews. That was one of the things that, that like the light bulb finally goes off and it's one of those like, oh, duh, of course, <laughs> kind of things. I didn't realize that Danny Elfman was, you know, raised in a Jewish family, but all of his music is like so heavily influenced by traditional Jewish music. Duh. <laughs> right? Yeah. Like, Danny Elfman's fiddler um, on the roof. Yeah. Very much so, right? <laughs> um, I mean, there's lots of boobies in this thing. Like, there's one, there's one character who is basically never wearing anything but her panties, okay. um, and and pretty much any time certain male characters get near a female character, they just immediately start fucking them. Um, like, it is a very horny, very you know of its time, I guess. Young people just dicking around, like all of the. All of the sets are made out of like cardboard and God bless and it. muslin and garbage bags and just whatever. Like the whole thing is is made on a on a shoestring budget, and it's goofy and it's really not for everybody. You know, at the end, the host of the movie was like, "Wow, none of you left the theater. You all made it to the end. <laughs> you seemed genuinely surprised." I mean, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Were you entertained? I was entertained. I would not necessarily recommend it to anybody. Yeah. But it's sort of one of those things I'm glad I saw for completeness kind of situations. Yeah, it's definitely a bucket list movie. It's always one of those like one of the weirdest Gonzo movies ever made and it always makes the lists. But uh you know, it is what it is. Yeah, so that was that was that. And then um, the other thing I'm fairly confident you guys uh, wouldn't have any any uh, any chance of overlapping me on is I went to the theater and I watched three thousand years of longing. Tilda, I don't know what that is. Yes. So this is the new movie by George Miller, director of both Mad Max: Fury Road and Babe: Pig in the City. Mm Hmm. Um. And it is a genie story. Um, Idris Elba is the jinn in this, and Tilda Swinton is uh, the person who frees him. And she is a person who researches stories, and therefore she knows full well the monkey's paw that is having a genie around. Mm. Um... And it is, you know, they tell you straight off the top that you won't believe her story, and the only way she can know to tell you her story is to make it a story itself. And this is that story. And so this thing is, like, when you watch it the first time, you'll be like, oh, this clearly has a deeper meaning that I'm not getting. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But it is... uh, it's it's a really kind of just a nice watch. It's a it's a smart people's movie, but it's also a quiet movie. But it's also George Miller, so it's well shot and well thought out. Mm-hmm. Um, it seems like one of those I liked just, it. Uh, 
art cinema will make a little bit of money, but not a lot, and then people were probably oh, yeah. forget about it. Yeah, I, I, I don't Very see much. I don't see in that movie idea how George Miller works in all that car destruction. Because that's what I go to a George Miller film for. <laughs> yeah, like know? all of the car destruction in Witches of Eastwick, the director's cut. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like the, <laughs> well, the, one, the one where he's hanging off the pole, off the yeah. side of the semi, uh-huh. and he's reaching yeah. his hand out to the guy, like, trying to pull him off, and they went, eh, 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 eh. he's like, take my hand, and the other guy's yeah. like, I'm on Smoko! Leave me alone, I'm on Smoko! <laughs> Two days ago, I saw Janie's lamp that could hold that tanker. <laughs> so, <laughs> so yeah. where, where it is a George Miller film is it was carefully thought through in terms of how the edits would be made, including the audio editing. Right. Um, yeah, so it's a very, um, very well-assembled movie, which, which, uh, which, which is yeah. similar to Mad Max, I guess. Well, which I bought, because uh, I watched Mad Max again recently, just for shits and giggles, and that's like, that is like a $5 budget movie, but he makes it look so good. It's just, he's a, he's a technical master. Australian movie. New Wave was amazing. Yeah, I mean, right? just so many people given so many shots to yeah. to to make their thing happen. <laughs> it's good times. So I believe it. But this one, yeah, it seems more sedate for for his typical. Yeah, it's it's pretty sedate. And yeah. and like I said, I'm sure that the second time one watches this movie, it's a different movie. Um, but I've only seen it once. Okay. I did some reading up on it. I I think I get where where the hidden themes lie um but but it's, yeah it's 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 a movie that would probably hold up to a repeat view it's no forbidden zone i take it um i mean it's more enjoyable than forbidden zone <laughs> <laughs> okay. okay so yeah it's no forbidden zone gotcha uh what do you guys got uh well i don't know about you brian but eric i've uh i've gotten about 75% of the way through the uh, season 3 of the boys I just finished Herogasm. And, oh, uh, I'm, I've only done one episode. Oh, I on finished that one so it a couple of weeks ago. I can't wait yeah. for you guys to talk Good. about that. Yeah. Yeah. This, All is, I will this say season is, is the best one. It gets it's better crazy. and better each goddamn season. Yeah. I keep expecting it to, like, to, to sink back, but I think it's because they have a comic series to fall back on for story. They right. don't have to think of new shit all the time. It's well, got a direction and it's going to it and it's building. Yeah. Well, I like the the themes in this one too because basically everybody has an axe to grind on their past, like how they get over whatever trauma they're dealing with, and it's like the flow through for every single character in this season. It's incredible that they managed to pull that off, and I'm just I'm yeah. astonished. It's so well done in a not boring way. Yeah, usually because well, like catharsis is never fun to have to watch, right? But mm. but the fact that they really push home the stuff like you don't get this in any of the DC or Marvel stuff really, but this one is very much about collateral damage, like mm-hmm. just a- across the board. It's like if you're doing this, there's going to be collateral damage, be it physical or emotional, and it's just like the trauma trail that leaves the wake of all these heroes and whatnot is just astonishing that they even touch on that because you never see that in the superhero stuff. So it's. Right. It's been fun so far. There's a there's a podcast and video series I love called Some More News. Uh they they they're really fun. I I I would recommend that podcast, but 
They did a video I shared with you guys this week, the existential terror of living in the Marvel universe. Mm-hmm. And it's all like the perspective <laughs> of people on the sidelines going, oh shit, look at all this going on with monsters and robots and what the fuck? I I am more <laughs> interested in that now than I am in the actual yeah. superheroes. Well, I think that, the, yeah. that reminds me of back in like 2008, I was pitching... An, an idea for a story called uh, Sleepless in Metropolis, which was <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. to just do a Meg Ryan rom com, except it's set in Metropolis. And every now, you know, and basically, like, you know, one time he can't make it to the date because the bridge is destroyed, you know, right. because <laughs> just normal people yeah. trying to live their life while this is going on in yeah. the background. You kind of get that with the boys. You kind of do. But it's, uh, I it's, mean, the idea really that fun. it opens with a guy like, you know, like saying goodbye to his girlfriend, like, okay, I'll see you later. And the flash Splat. basically runs Splat. through her and she yeah. explodes. Yeah. yeah. Well, well, not only that, but now you've got, and you'll see this later on, Brian, but uh, uh, they start talking about Soldier Boy, which was like the, uh, the first Homelander. And it's just their riff on Captain America. And it's just mm-hmm. uh, the way they all roll it in that it's, it's Captain America done as the comedian from The Watchmen with like flavors oh of actual boy. winter soldier. I mean it's just like they take every comic book influence and just shove it in there but make it work yeah. somehow. It's the most astonishing feat. Uh I got to applaud but them cuz like it's it like, get very like, tiresome. Known comic book motifs mixed with known prejudices and um yeah, bad thinking. I I'm trying to think of the the way to chauvinism. All of the right. the the awfulness of the past mixed yeah. with a a psychotically powerful yeah. human being. Yeah, and I like that they give Homelander his uh, his Gollum moment. I'll just leave it there. You know what I'm talking about, Eric, but I, I want to oh, leave God. it for Brian. And it's yes. like, holy yeah. shit, <laughs> this guy is literally insane. <laughs> and so it's it's just fun to watch. So yeah, oh yeah, watching him uh, fall apart over the course of this show is the- yeah best yeah it's it's uh i i love homelander and that poor actor will never get another role because all anybody will see is he does it so well he does it so well but uh yeah yeah, he's he's legitimately terrifying in this and that's that's no small feat either like i i thought like third season i'd be like ho-hum whatever but they've literally kept up all of the quality and i'm just amazed so I can't. I've got like three episodes left. I can't wait to finish. So I've got oh, to do this. So final that we can final actually episode, do an episode is so right, right, fun. Right. Final yeah. episode is so fun, and so yeah, yeah, and ties up nothing. Final episode just means. <laughs> well, you know, oh, I can't wait for season four. I love yeah. this show so much. Good times. So, so that's that's been the bulk. Uh, okay, and then other than that, have had either you guys uh, dived into uh, Welcome to Wrexham? on hulu at all i don't even know what it don't is don't care it's <laughs> it's it seems like just sports it's well uh it is in a way but it's also it's like a real life docuseries that should be uh a totally high concept will ferrell sports comedy it is so weird but basically it's they take uh a team in wales from a town called wrexham which is on like the bottom rung of the professional football. Because the way they do it in England is just weird. Like you get knocked down and you have to work your way back up to the Premier League, which is the top of the pyramid. And they're never gonna 
knock you down. Yeah. Or never going to keep you down. Yeah, it's exactly. It's a tub. But then you get knocked down again. Yeah. And then you drink your vodka drink and your whiskey drink. Okay. And then you have a lager drink and then a cider drink. Oh my God. (laughs) (laughs) But basically, uh, Ryan Reynolds and and Rob McElhinney from It's Always Sunny uh, buy the controlling stake in the team for whatever reason, just randomly, and they want to build it back up so they can get it to the, the upper thing. And it's a whole documentary about that, but also the town itself uh, sort of following along this roller coaster of when they're rebuilding this team. But it's so de- – it's like if you've ever seen like semi-pro, the Will Ferrell basketball movie, it feels like that. Like someone with like celebrity cash money, like buys the team and then just starts doing all the shenanigans, and it's just so weird because it doesn't feel real at all. It all feels kind of like it's just a, a series, but not. Uh, and Reynolds and McElhaney just kind of come across as these very uh, disaffected, rich dudes from L.A., and they can't escape it, and it's just so off-putting at times. It's just a, a weird beast, and it's just I, I'm watching it, but I'm also like I really don't want to watch this, but I'm going to keep watching because I'm kind of curious to find out how it rolls. But uh, it's just how do uh, and how do Mac and Deadpool know each other anyway? Ah, uh, I guess they were they they were like friends on Twitter for like randomly, and they had never met until. They decided to buy, like, McElhinney talked Reynolds into doing it. Because at the opening scene, it's, it's like McElhinney talking about how he, you know, big sports fan from Philly, and he wanted to bring that to a community, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and he's like, so, I've got TV money, but I needed Deadpool movie star money. I needed, like, liquor magnate money. I needed, like, cell phone company owner money. And so he talks Reynolds into doing this somehow. Is he actually the the cell phone company owner? I thought that, that was just a a bit. No, he has I'm he the owns, owner of no he owns a controlling stake he owns Mint. in Mint Mobile. Yeah, yeah, really. He's like Good he's God. He's so diversified that he doesn't ever have to act if he never wants to again. It's just well, that's because like he's we like all Paul know Newman. how we all know how fucked up his movie career was before Deadpool. <laughs> like God, yeah, right? I mean, I so. every movie I was like, are we done with him yet? Is right. he is he done yet? Uh so luckily he's barely in it. They do like cutaway talking head stuff with him and McElhaney from time to time, but most of it's just about this Welsh town and it plays very much like Slapshot or Semi-Pro or, you know, any, any movie you've seen that's a, a sports comedy where the underdogs have to do the thing to get to the thing. Uh, it's just strange, but uh, there you go. So if you're into right. sports movies uh, but don't understand the sport, this is the show for you. Welcome to Wrexham. Uh-huh. That's all I got. Okay, <laughs> it's been a slow couple. What you of got, weeks. Eric? Uh, well, for starters, uh, I, I I know it's weird to 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 suggest a podcast since we're a podcast. So it's kind of like saying, "Okay, stop listening and go listen to that other one." But uh, don't do that. Do that after you listen to us because we're so fucking entertaining. Um, right? Seriously, you're yeah. I, I this has been on for a while, but I only just started listening to Your Mom's House, which is uh, Tom Segura and his wife Christina Pizakniak. I can cannot pronounce her name. Christina P. Uh, they they do a podcast, and it's just funny. They're both 
they're both stand-up comics and they're married and they have all their stand-up comedy friends come over as guests and they you know just talk about shit and play really weird disgusting crazy youtube clips yeah um it's the best way to put it it's just everything yeah it's just it's just um what bobby lee is on there um Bert Kreischer's on all the time. It's it's you know if you're into if you're into the current stand up scene, it's it's a fun podcast. Um, Is that like that? Uh, and I guess like Colin Quinn used to have a show where he would just have a bunch of comedian friends on to talk about stuff. Is that is it sort of that vibe? Kind of like that, yeah. Okay. Uh, okay. But yeah, it's since it's not TV, they don't have to censor themselves. Oh yeah, there's a whole funny thing that happened. They were going to be sponsored by McDonald's. And then the first time McDonald's was going to be on the podcast, they had some, they were playing some YouTube clip of a guy who fucks dead people or something. It was it was something really weird. And McDonald's instantly said, "Uh, yeah, we're done." And <laughs> <laughs> I don't see why. It's it's a fun podcast. Uh, but okay. no, the thing I really want to talk about is a on Netflix a Netflix production. Uh, for I guess Netflix Germany, a a miniseries called Cleo. Cleo is 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 the shit. Cleo is an idea I can't believe no one has had until now. Cleo, what's it about? Is about an assassin for uh, East Germany, right? She 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 kills people. She's very pro uh, message. She is she is on point with the communists. She she yeah. It's all good. Okay. But they, uh, for some reason, frame her and throw her in jail, and she doesn't know why. Uh, she did the job. She did the job right. She doesn't know why they would do this to her. And then the wall falls down, and suddenly they let out all of the political prisoners, including this very angry assassin <laughs> who goes on a killing spree okay. of the East German officials who framed her and put her in prison, uh, you know, just trying to find out what in the fuck did you do that for? I mean, it's it's great. It, it, there's a lot of... There's a lot of blood, but there's a lot of poorly choreographed fight scenes. It It's almost like so these people are not used to doing an action fighty movie, and you can tell. But that <laughs> makes like it more It's like the born charming. identity for East Germans. <laughs> born identity, yeah! That had just at least had more money, so you didn't see how bad the fight scenes were. But like, <laughs> yeah, I think they tried harder. But oh yeah, this but this actress uh, is so good. I can't I can't explain. It. She she's really fascinating in what she does with her hands. She has these gestures that just make you go, oh wow, I want to start doing that. I I can't explain it, but it's like this. I want to say it's an affected style, and I guess it kind of is because I've never seen somebody doing this stuff before. But at the same time, like when she's she's just signaling to somebody to just get the fuck out of here, she does this thing with her hand, and I'm like, oh, that's so smart. I don't know. I got I got really into that over the fights, of course. But <laughs> okay, yeah, and and so she is doing this. Meanwhile, there's a West German cop who was in the bar. The night she killed this guy that sets this whole thing off in the first episode. And for years, he's been like, 
no, 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 that was a murder. That wasn't an overdose. That was a murder. And nobody believes him. And he ends up going off the rails, chasing her. And it's, watch it. That's all I can say is watch it. It's a lot of fun. Uh, the music's really good. And I, I particularly like all that sort of end of the Cold War stuff, too. But the fight scenes oh, are it's a great shite. premise. I really like the, the yeah. setup there. Yeah, it's a great premise. And it's, it's, it's executed well, you know? There are some, like I said, there's some effects shots where you can see that either they didn't have the budget or they didn't have the knowledge, because this is definitely not Hollywood. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm, I fear this thing being redone by somebody in Los Angeles. Because there's no way to do it in any other setting than East West Germany. This has never happened. There has never been a wall that is like held off a society for less than a single lifetime so that you can have people have it melt and have people cross back over. Like where would you set this? Yeah. In space. Set it in space. Oh, God, you're right. You're fucking right. <laughs> That's God. the answer to any remake. If you can't figure it out, just set it in space. Come on. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> the space wall came down, and yeah. now all, all the space dissidents are being freed from space jail. Yeah. Space jail. <laughs> Fuck. Whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Durr. All right, so... So check it out. Cleo! Leave me alone! I'm on Cleo! So this week, we're talking about Radiohead. Uh, one of my favorite bands. Uh, I, don't, I don't actually know how popular they are anymore. They're, they're sort of a, a weird thing for old people, I guess. I uh, mean, they've got a super rabid fan base that gets a lot of shit because... You know, the the trope is that it's music for depressed people, right? And uh, you know, I don't know. If I, I agree think with it's that. music for music critics, exactly. Right? Like, like, like <laughs> Pitchfork loves the shit out of Radiohead. I guarantee. Yeah, it. Pitchfork loves them. <laughs> I mean, Rolling Stone loves Radiohead, but then again, Rolling Stone also loved uh, uh, Yoko Kid. Ono. So, yeah. what are you gonna do? And Kid Rock, <laughs> the consistent. Oh, oh, yeah. Uh, oh, okay. I, well, no, yeah. I'm sorry. Uh, I, so I, I guess I picked this because I really love Radiohead most of the time, and there's still some stuff that's so inaccessible. I don't know what to do with it. But I wanted to mm-hmm. kind of go through the timeline of Radiohead and okay. let's do it. Explain for the uninitiated, at least from my perspective, from our perspective, what you know, what they're all about. Yeah, uh, we haven't done one of these about a band in a long time, so this I'm excited. I think, Bring I, us, yeah, I think, yeah, Ben navigate us through this, one. Eric. Okay, uh, so I learn about Radiohead in like '92 when that song "Creep" comes out. Uh, I didn't even, you know, think of the the album Pablo Honey. I just knew this one no. song "Creep" that was playing all the time. Yeah. "Creep" is now almost a jazz standard. You know, it's like everywhere. From this album that kind of sucked. Did anybody listen to Pablo Honey? I mean, it made money, but yeah, if you listen to it, it's very much just a generic, like, early 90s Britpop album. There's very little yeah. to, to stand it out. It's a weird beast. It's like, this is sort of proto-Radiohead, almost. Yeah, yeah, one of our other friends also named Chris, because everyone our age is named Chris. Yes. Um, 
was was into this album and played and and I was I was it kind of I bounced off of it. I'm like whatever. Okay, creep is good, but I, it wasn't my jam. I mean, but, but yeah, I like the uh, the story behind the recording of that though. Is that it was Tom York is the main songwriter, and so this was like something he came up with while he was away from Oxford or wherever they're from, and uh, and came back. And it's a very catchy, hooky thing, but it's also kind of uh, creepy. No pun intended, because yeah. it's about a stalker. And I guess it's so, like, obviously a pop song that uh, I guess it was Johnny Greenwood, the, the main guitarist, like the guy that comes up with so much of their, their cool sound, uh, hated it. So then we're recording it. Uh, that, that crunch thing he does right before the, the creep chorus kicks in, that's just him trying to sabotage the song during recording. <laughs> and, and they liked it so much that they kept it, and now that's, like, the main thing. So when you see it live... Yeah. Like they do the chucka, chucka, and the lights flash, and the whole crowd goes nuts and just starts singing the chorus. It's like it, it had the total opposite effect of what he was trying to do. That just makes me laugh every time. <laughs> Bravo. I wish I was Their, the history like leading up to that is they were like a band since like high school, but they were really just a band so they could hang out with each other. They, they like in 1985 they formed. That's like years before this the first album, and there's like four years there where they just rehearsed on weekends with each yeah. other. They didn't play any gigs. They didn't they didn't record. They just they were just getting their shit together. The idea of a band being together for four years and doing nothing but getting better is well yeah astonishing they're, to me that their 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 focus was not we got to get a label and we got to get a tour <laughs> and we got to get a you know uh, no no it was like let's they they got they apparently they got an offer from island records and they were like nope we're not ready yet yeah. wow at least they had that much sense but they're yeah. Yeah, by they're, the time uh, they mm-hmm. get this thing going they are musicians who know what the fuck they're doing it's just so unfortunate yeah. that, with the exception of this one song, the whole album is kind of blah. I don't know. I think I like thinking about you. That's also fairly catchy, but yeah, there's really nothing but creep on it. It's like they used to do in the old yeah. days. It's like they have one big massive song, and then roll through. Yeah. Hey but, uh, kids, this is why the whole MP3 thing exists now because record executives kept uh, shitting out CDs that had one good song and like <laughs> and a bunch of filler <laughs> and everybody felt so burned that by the time napster yeah. came out it was like oh we know we're ripping off the record companies and we yeah. fucking love it yeah well yeah well i think that's going to be thematically relevant but we've got some some history to get through first yeah well <laughs> yeah. i like that this is sort of like the proto radio this is not real radiohead pablo honey it's it's a weird beast but the fact that I, when i looked it up i didn't realize that their original band name was just on a Friday because that's when they would rehearse as such a dumb name. And I'm so glad that some record executive said, well, you really got to change that name (laughs) because no one's going to buy a record that they changed their name. They're they're, the Radiohead is a uh, talking head song, which I think is funny. If you, if you watch true stories, you can see it in that. And it's the idea that it's like that song is about being disaffected 
yeah. Let's use but it. A, <laughs> but it's a happy song about being disaffected. That's what's funny to me. It's very bouncy. It's like totally not yeah. <laughs> the same vibe as this band. So it just it's this very weird disconnect on their name too, which I guess fits. Yeah. But what well, have you? Talking talking heads could make, you know, a song about Armageddon and it would still be hop. They did make a song about that's Armageddon true. that's poppy happy. Say. What am I talking about? Was <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. that uh yeah, this this was a Life in Wartime. Mall. Yeah. Yeah, Life in War yeah. So they, I can't uh, get used to that lifestyle. Anyway, um, <laughs> so they <laughs> creep did get played on um, on MTV quite a bit, which you know got got them attention, and that really kind of leads into the Benz, doesn't it? Yes, yes, and I think that's really the first Radiohead album, yes, the I real agree. first real one. Uh, I'll just say this now, like, yeah, when you put in the Benz and it starts off with their leadoff track, Planet Telex, I mean, that's a statement. That's like, this is the mission mm-hmm. statement of the band of this album. And that continues to trend through, like, at least Amnesiac, where the first track is just out of the gate. Like, this is this is what you're going to get. And it, they managed to keep that up for, like, four or five albums, and that's just amazing. But yeah. this is where they, they nailed it. They stuck the landing on this one. So the Benz is easily my favorite Radiohead album. And and call me basic or whatever, but it's because they're writing songs <laughs> that are, you know, at least a formulaic enough that they're approachable to a mainstream audience. But more to the point, they they do this and, and, and Creep was an example of this as well. You know, Radiohead will will go on to become more and more experimental and dare I say psychedelic. But unlike psychedelic forebearers Pink Floyd, Radiohead stops somewhere after the Benz doing the big, grand, dramatic, but also beautiful musical moments. And the Benz is full of that, of, it's full of big, dramatic, beautiful stuff. And I love them for it. Mm. This, is, this is where they, they hit that, that mark for me. Yeah. Well, there's also a lot of oh, yeah. s- stuff that carries over into stuff like OK Computer. It's sort of like you can see the the genesis of the way they noodle about in yeah. the bends. That's so what I fun. like about Radiohead, though, is from they are they're on a they're on a constantly transitioning curve. It's like there isn't they never get to a point where like the last album is like the next album is like the next album. Right. It's like everything is always connective tissue between the last one and the next one. It feels yeah. like, and it they're, also they're mm. like in a in a constant evolution. And they're not always necessarily happy with what they come up with, so they drop a lot of stuff. Yeah. Well, yeah, The when I was going through a re-listen from first to last album, uh, I was trying to figure out a core, like, what would be another band that this would be like? And Brian, you brought up Pink Floyd, and I thought that would be a good juxtaposition because Pink Floyd was sort of that curve where they had Sid Barrett, the crazy guy, and then he's gone, and then something like roger waters and such have to take off but then i realized that uh radiohead's almost a reverse of pink floyd because pink floyd the early yeah. albums are very psychedelic and weird and experimental and then they gradually get more uh popular oriented very structured yeah. radiohead yeah. turns into yeah. sid barrett pink floyd yeah, basically yeah yes. and radiohead's sort of like the inverse of that it's like they start out with these standard traditional song structures and whatnot and then just fall off into this weird 
abyss like later albums and they don't really care anymore and it's sort of like just a a bookend almost pink floyd to radiohead it's yeah. just sort of that same thing that's what struck me it, but yeah yeah i mean like like pink floyd they were doing all that that goofy wacky psychedelic stuff because that's what everyone was doing yeah and so in a way that was their their takeoff you know their it makes sense mm. for them to start there, but it's kind of lazy. Yeah. And so the what they ended up evolving into was like so uh, um, difficult. <laughs> and right. in that, right, that's right. what Radiohead yeah. ends up doing too, is you know, like evolving into s- shit that you don't just do when you pick up a yeah. guitar. Well, yeah. And for well, for me, it's like I started thinking about the Pink Floyd thing, and then I started delving a little bit more, and I'm like, well, it's more like Eno to me. It's sort of he uh, yeah. he get you yeah. know gets too weird for Roxy music, so then he jumps off into his solo stuff, which is very strong. Uh, first like three or four albums, uh, but also very weird. And then he just does off onto the deep end with Fripp, and then starts doing all that experimental stuff. And it's just like what the fuck. And so when everybody talks so, about Radiohead doing the same thing, it's like, well, I mean, Eno's already traversed this before, so it's not unheard of. So just let him let him breathe, man. So what we're talking about is this evolution, and really, it's like we 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 have the Benz, which is you know the most radio-friendly Radiohead ever is. Right. And MTV's picked them up, and they're playing fake plastic trees and stuff. And then the, Street Spirit. The next Let's can't forget. I mean, like my yeah. I just, before oh, yeah. we leave yeah, 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 the yeah. Benz. Oh yeah. Spirit, high and dry, uh, and yeah, fake plastic trees, iron lung. There's like a lot of great songs, but it's like they are they're songs, they're standalone good. Uh, it's it's right. once we get into what is my my second favorite, but usually my favorite Radiohead album, OK Computer, where yeah. Yeah. things get crazy. So this comes out, and MTV is trying to pimp it, right? And what do they got? They've got this like six and a half minute long video um for um oh i had the name of the song in my head a second ago and it's gone um karma police no 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 um the one what's this what's this um shit paranoid android i think yeah okay um they um they're trying to make this a hit by putting it in heavy rotation on mtv and i think collectively everybody is looking at it and going, what's this? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because of the song course. Uh, well, that and the video is is weird, and the song is yeah. the, the song is restrained, and it's the beginning of the of the metamorphosis from commercially acceptable uh, accessible Radiohead to we really don't care if you like it yeah. Radiohead. <laughs> Well, yeah, I, I, mean, I must, I have totally tuned out of MTV by now, I guess, because I don't remember videos. Yeah, this I wasn't really watching either. But, uh, but OK Computer still remains my favorite. Uh, I think it's more just because it's the one that uh, kind of 
spurred me into Radiohead because I'd heard Creep. I'd heard some of the stuff from the Benz, but I'd never really gone out and purchased the albums and hadn't really listened extensively. But I was in a Tower Records one day, and you know how they used to have the banks of the CD players, and you could just sample albums. Uh, And I saw OK Computer, and so I just put it on, and it just kicks off uh, with Airbag, and just the whole album just rolls through this soundscape, and I was just hooked. Like, I don't ever really pay attention to their lyrics half the time. Uh, it's all about the music. Thanks, good exactly. idea. That's so, what I was about to, yeah. yeah. And so, OK Computer almost plays out like a rock opera almost to me. And it's just, I could put that in and I could listen to it and be just entranced for the whole duration. I mean, I just, I still love it today and it's still very strong to me. Uh, the so, reason the reason I love OK Computer so much is it's a dream. It's 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 not something that's happening happening consciously, it always feels like. It feels like something you dreamed. And when I was really listening to this album, when, I, when it first came out, I was working as a night auditor, third shift, at a hotel, alone, doing like, you know, end of day accounting, and it's two in the goddamn morning, and I'm off my tit because my sleep schedule's all over the place, and I'm listening to this song that is something that you would dream right. about, you know, aliens coming down and drilling holes in your head, and, <laughs> you know, a computer <laughs> that's depressed, and I'm just like, Oh yeah, I get it. That's it, it. It isn't the lyrics. It's sort of this, this, these moments they create. There's no other yeah. way to put it. Yeah. So, I. This is where I get frustrated, because by every measure, this album should have been exactly targeted to me right at at the point this comes out i'm still trying to figure out how to make a living as a musician this is the point where this comes out i'm i'm high enough of the time uh the point this comes out i'm into pink floyd i like everything about this is just like and these are and these are people you know gen x people this and and all the music critics are like it's the greatest thing ever and it just i did not ever connect with it and i have tried multiple times to to dig okay computer and for whatever reason it doesn't it doesn't connect with me and i'm 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 kind of sad about it like i'm frustrated like i know this should have been for me and it well i feel like i have let the band it, down it might be way. because <laughs> it's like when if you already have that impression like starting off whatever you had going when you first heard it whatever i don't know maybe it was cynicism i don't know but it's going to be hard to shake that like even 30 years later saying okay now i'm going to give it a shot yeah so i can i understand that there's a lot of stuff where it's like i should be into it and i just well don't care well it could also just ryan reynolds movies yeah (laughs) (laughs) but it also could be uh maybe just the the themes and the tone uh, have bled into it so much that it maybe was off-putting to you because the whole thing was Tom York was just sort of fed up with the grind from mm-hmm. Pablo Honey to the Benz and going through the whole corporate music thing. And this was literally him just like going, well, fuck, everything is just an arm's length away. Everything is fucked. We're not connecting with anybody uh, just because technology was taking off. I mean, these are all the themes of the album. And then if you ever watch the the documentary about their tour for this album called meeting people is easy. And it's just basically about how lonely and disconnected they all are 
from this process, but they've got to get out and churn out the songs and do the concerts and the whole thing. It's like this really weird bag, this album. Uh, and it shouldn't, well, and it shouldn't work. I agree. It should not work, but I get hooked in almost from the get go. And then by the time you get to subterranean homesick alien, which is like, I guess the second track I'm, I'm on board and I'm riding it. It's like heroin almost. I mean, I'm just all the yeah. way in the end. And that, that's another thing. Uh, and maybe that's why I can't reapproach it now. So a lot of, um, I would say alternative film alternative music the themes in at that especially turn of the century uh point in time um you know they were about well they were about information overload for one right which i think we still all feel right but it was about the sense of isolation like there's this world full of people who are normal and they seem happier right and i'm not one of those people and i i can't fit in and i feel very isolated and that's that's where a lot of alternative music sentiment comes from especially in the in the 2000s and that's something of an anachronism now not because we don't have information overload not because we're not isolated it's that the normies have all taken off their masks and where no one is happy and we've all stopped pretending to be happy and so right. we don't feel quite so uh so isolated right. from everyone else in that yeah. way well i mean okay you know but. yeah i would say the okay so this is an interesting lead-in to the next phase which is because okay computer is about that sort of internal dread uh because there's nothing mm-hmm. external to worry about and now we come into uh, the 2001 holy fuck era, and that's <laughs> it's like this: the Kid A and Amnesiac come out before 9/11, but they are kind of for me that all I was listening to during that that 9/11 period of oh oh fuck that really happened. Right. It's this like weird switch in the psyche where we were all sort of like so caught up in our own shit that it takes this weird external threat to happen where suddenly we're all thinking about something other than ourselves. Uh, yeah. So it, I, 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 I guess that's, I listened to it in, in that sense. It's like, they did not write, um, what was that? I can't remember the names of all the songs in that, on this album. Uh, I float down the Liffy is the one, is the one line that always comes to mind. Uh, let me pull up the track list like a douchebag. I don't have this stuff ready. Mm-hmm. Well, but for me, it's it, it, yeah. Go ahead. Because well, it's because it starts with uh, everything in its right place on Kid A, and it's it's a good hook, but you immediately get a sense that this is not the same, uh, and it's kind of off-putting. And it took me a while to get into this album because it's just so structurally weird for a, a giant rock pop band uh, and they definitely just decided hey let's just be a jazz band fuck it I don't give a shit I mean that's sort of the vibe you get off of this thing and so when you come off of something like the Benz and OK Computer and then you get this it's like I can see where everybody would be like they took a total left turn man and just fuck but if you listen to their entire catalog it's like this is not really that dramatic a shift for them it's a yeah yeah. I mean, it's it's a shift, but it's not like a total left turn. You can still see the progression when you look at it on the the big picture. But at that moment in time, Kid A felt like 
what the hell is this? And so it took me a while to kind of get comfortable with it as, an, as I, a whole. And I have a problem when people say, this isn't like what they used to do. And I'm like, yeah, okay, there are other bands where you're saying, this is too much like what they always do. God damn it. This is so blah. It's like <laughs> right. Billy Joel never yeah, does anything but like... like yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's like like yeah, they're evolving, well, you motherfucker. I mean, well, maybe yeah, you, you ought to be along for the ride. You yeah. know, I well, I, mean, I how to disappear completely is the song I was trying to think of. Okay. And that's that one I think is so like post 9/11 trauma without meaning to be. Right. It's yeah. Is oh, oh, it's 9/11. Hey, today <laughs> as we're recording yeah. It's it's Boom Day, oh. the day of the boom. Happy yeah. Boom Day, Eric. Happy Boom go. Day. 9/11 is now old <laughs> enough to drink. How about that? Amazing. But uh but you brought up the the Beatles just randomly there and it's sort of this kid A feels sort of like revolver to me. It's sort of like something is definitely in the wind mm -hmm. and there's a shift and you're not quite sure what that shift is. And then everything that comes after is definitely a more dramatic progression along that line. But it all starts with this one for their later career. It's just, this is where yeah. they decided, hey, uh, we like jazz and we're going to incorporate that. And we're going to experiment with sounds and squeaks and blorps and squibbles. Uh, but most importantly, uh, hey, we can also write music for movies if you want. Hint, hint, nod, nod. And it's sort of some overt <laughs> shit on there. Like they actually have a, have the, uh, like Idiotech, which is very much just a driven baseline thing and stuff like that. And then by the time you get to Amnesiac, uh, you get even more like just uh, instrumental type stuff. And it's sort of like Tom York going, please give me a Danny Elfman chance. Let me score your movie. And then sort of some of these songs, I feel like that's an audition reel almost. <laughs> so. Well, the guitarist does start scoring movies, right? Oh, that's right. Like okay. So that's that's one of the things that starts happening around this time, I believe. Yeah. And so it just that to me, these almost these two albums, Kid A and Amnesiac, feel like uh, them sort of wanting to boost their CVs a little bit and just say, let's let us branch out. Let us be more than a pop band. And so it's it's a very implicit uh, directional shift, I guess. But uh, yeah, there you have it. For Amnesiac, is, it's not it's not like a B-sides album, but it was recorded during the recording of Kid A, so it's like it's its own album, mm -hmm. but it's the same period, so not quite as much of a weird transition. Yeah. But worth pointing out, some of the songs on that album are fucking fantastic too. You and Who's Army mm -hmm. is my favorite. Knives yeah. Out, really good. Uh, Dude, you, yeah, you and Who's Army, like sardines. That, that slow build on that song gets yeah. me every yeah. time. It's like, it's just like, boom, boom. It's like they just ratchet it, ratchet it, ratchet it. It's just, it's so well done. And uh, if that's that one particularly feels like an X Files episode right? to me, right? it's yeah. like like just weird and and creepy and pays off with scary and creepy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Amnesiac sort of like that's where 
the weirdness is kind of unfettered and it's more or less now the brand of Radiohead. It's sort of like they've just said, well, yeah, we used to be this big giant pop band. Now we're just this. And it and they, they mm-hmm. literally haven't really gone back since. So this is sort of the break for me. Amnesiac is where I kind of fell off because everything that comes so after I, I was just like, yeah, whatever. I kind of disagree with that statement, right? Because I think Hail to the Thief has some more accessible, there we their go. next album, yes. more accessible music in it. There's a song called Go to Sleep, yeah. for example, that I would I would reference here. Yeah. yeah. I, mean, I think two plus um, two equals five, is, but it, 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 it stays with the theme of here's the first song and here's what you're about to get. Right. And that song is such a punch in the face. It's, it's yeah, it's, it's fast, it's rock, it's... It's a go for it song. I love it, and the rest of the album, Iguist has that level, that tempo. You know, there's a lot less navel gazing. Mm-hmm. I mean, and I think it's because they're all very pissed off at George W. Bush. Yeah, like everybody else. I mean, yeah, Hail the Thief came out, and I, I just it never clicked with me. It still hasn't. Uh, from from Hail the Thief on, all of their stuff is it's good background music. But it's not anything that I listen to intently. It's not anything apart from like a, a track or two here or there. Like just the whole thing sort of just becomes this globular, or uh, I don't know, morass of music, and it just it doesn't do anything for me anymore. So yeah. I'm I'm good so, up, I'm good up to Amnesiac, and then I'm like like more casual than a casual fan of Radiohead at that. And point. this and this is funny because this is where they start to kind of get my attention again. Really, right? And and this well, so then we get. Then we get to In Rainbows, and In Rainbows is the first album. They their their deal with EMI is over, and they yeah. don't re-sign. And this is also a reaction to Napster. But they basically decided to just release their next album, self-produced, on their website. Um, and with the pay what you want plan. As I say, yeah, for whatever you can you give want. us zero bucks, you can pay us whatever. And like this, this freaked out a lot of people, and they were like releasing the the stems and uh, you know asking people to remix it, and they were really engaging with their audience in a more, I'd say, modern way. Um, and this was the album that I actually would start listening to as an album when it came out again, and I I and it to, didn't get me. It didn't yeah. get me. I wanted to like it. I want to say this, like, OK Computer was my favorite of theirs for a long time. This right now is my favorite Radiohead album. This one is the one I go mm. to because so many of the songs are so, I don't know. They they find something in me, I guess is the best way to put it, in a weird way. I can't, like, point at a lick or a lyric or a something that works. But, like, Reckoner, the way Reckoner starts out, it's like, oh, oh, we're in for a ride. Uh, 15 Steps and Nude are just beautiful, brilliant songs. And yeah, there's a lot of this stuff where you can tell the, the instruments are playing backwards, you know, that they're mm-hmm. they're doing goofy, subliminal almost shit with the soundscape. And it draws me in. I, I really love this album. I, I think it's the kind of thing you do need to just sit in a chair on an afternoon and just, just let it happen. To get, yeah, to get into to this me, one. To me, it's it's probably the most balanced of the different forms of Radiohead in terms of there. It's it's like almost accessible, but it's just goofy enough and just technical enough and just complex or experimental enough 
that it holds you at bay, right? But it's like, mm-hmm. yeah, you, you're digging this, aren't you? But what about that? Yeah, uh-huh, uh-huh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's like that. <laughs> I, I heard, I've never tried this, and I, I, am, I am so mad at myself for not having tried this yet, but apparently if you take this album and you take Radio, and you take OK Computer, and it's like you play the first track of OK Computer, and then you play the last track of In Rainbows, and you play the second of OK Computer, and then you play the ninth track of it. It's like these these two albums are meant to be folded into each other, like Dark Side of the Moon and Wizard of Oz. Huh. And it's like there's this whole conspiracy theory online of how they did this intentionally. And at one point, they asked Tom York about it, and I, I'm sure he said this just to be an asshole. He said, I'm surprised it took you this long to figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And who knows if that has any value? Yeah, okay. Right, right. He's got such so, a wacky sense of humor. I'm sure he was like, how many people can I send over the edge with this one comment? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, God bless him. I mean, it would be nice to be in a band where you had that kind of leeway. To just do whatever you wanted, and that's they're one of the few bands that have managed that rare territory, and so mm-hmm. good on them. But at the same time, it's like Brian was saying earlier; it's like it's almost music for music critics by this stage. Yeah, because it's just yeah. there's there's really nothing that moves me apart from the occasional hook or whatever. But it's just it's not consistent. They just don't, well, they don't hit. And the thing about In Rainbows is this, this begins the period of their career where they're just giving stuff away for free or doing it all for charity. And I'm sort of wondering how they've been making money the last 15 years, given the way they've been doing it. I, mean, I suppose they- I'd say downloads out. of OK Computer. Well, plus I they, mean, uh, they've got like a whole catalog yeah. that makes yeah. a lot of money. Because here's the thing, well, but, kids. But the back catalog is owned by EMI. Is it? And yeah. So they don't so own the publishing the, rights? So, no, they don't. Oh, that sucks. And Ooh. Like when they released in Rainbows, EMI released greatest hits and box sets and all kinds of stuff to capitalize on that. Crazy. Um I'm sure they get points on that, but but they don't yeah, they don't own that stuff. In fact, yeah. that's what's so interesting about the most recent thing, and maybe this would be, you know, sort of where I run out of material, but uh they released in um it, in twenty nineteen they released Kid Amnesiac, which I assume that's not an EMI version, but it's it's Kid A and Amnesiac kind of jammed together as one album, but recontextualized. So they and they were planning to tour an art exhibit in art galleries, right? That they had planned out, and they had planned it out using Unreal Engine, and then the COVID hits, and so. What they did is they released a video game for free of the art exhibition. And so I I loaded this thing up on my PlayStation, this Kid Amnesiac. It's a first-person art gallery um, with bits and bobs of of those albums playing and, you know, things evolve over time if you stay in one space and it's... um, I mean, I think it's kind of the future of art exhibits because, of course, they can do things in a virtual space that you can't do in a real museum, like a room that's lined with with sheets of paper that then blow away and things like that. Um, But, uh, yeah, I thought it was a pretty cool art piece. I'm just, you know, way, way too sober to be really really getting out of it what what I think is intended. Yeah. 
Well, that's the the weird thing about Radiohead is that they're obviously older men, and that yeah. carries with it all of the things that aging entails. And so, I mean, I get that your music is gonna gonna age appropriately, and you're gonna get more interesting and uh, less uh, popular, maybe over time. But I just it's not it's just not my direction. And so, oh, this I, is this is downright ambient like yeah, it's it's yeah. brian eno uh, it's just stuff. i think right i think that's why like after you know a moon-shaped pool which is the last album they've done right they split off to do their own things because it's like anything we do under the radiohead banner has it carries with it this expectation and this derision it's like both people who've given up on them and mu- music critics who want them to continue to be what they've been. I think they're probably just like, oh, fuck this. Yeah. Let's just go do our own shit. Well, and I, that's, I think that's probably the flow through for most of the, their history. I always get a sense, especially from Tom York, who's the ostensible leader of the band. Uh, but as their history has progressed, it's almost like they're just rebelling against the, whatever structure and constraints are trying to package their music. And so they're like, fuck this. So, I mean, I appreciate that. Uh, but at the same time, it's just now you're it almost to me, it's like you're just diddling for the sake of diddling. And that's great. Yeah. But uh, how about some actual songs? Come on, man. I've been a def- yeah. I've been a defender of Radiohead for the majority of this show. But as we come into a moon shaped pool, I have to admit, I've listened to it once, maybe twice. Yeah, I've had it yeah. since it came out. And I could not tell you how any of these songs go. And well, I, I feel really bad about that because well, I knew we were going to do this show for a couple of weeks, <laughs> and right. I still did not play it. You know, yeah. this is yeah. this is one of the reasons, that, and this is Tom York's fault. This is one of the reasons why I don't think Radiohead is transcendent to me the way a Pink Floyd is. First of all, um, at at one point, Tom York started typing up the lyrics and then chopping them up and randomizing them, so the lyrics don't make any sense on purpose right. and secondly even if they did you wouldn't know because of the absolute marble mouth mushy bullshit way <laughs> tom york sings yeah. everything yeah. At this point. Yeah. right he is i mean he is the originator Pink Floyd of that. had yeah, something yeah. to say you know roger waters had shit he wanted to express and and tom york is just like yeah yeah and it's like i i can't i i can't and follow your emotional mouth. journey into into mumbling yeah and that mushmouth singing of course is very in vogue now it seems everybody is singing uh, but as for the lyrics being uh nonsense what do you think of duran duran <laughs> i like that hey. duran duran because yeah. god damn it none of their songs no, no, make here's any sense but here's, here's <laughs> yeah. the difference here's the difference duran duran's lyrics are intentionally nonsense because the whole point was what sounds neat yes uh-huh. and you know what's going to be catchy even if it doesn't make any sense the reflex makes no sense like, like, okay like, like, like. but the the consonants and the vowels are there to to drive yeah a chorus that you care about and that's different from well yeah random but that also goes back okay. to my point with okay computers yeah. like i still honestly don't think i can sing along to any of the songs uh because to me the the, the lyrics and, and the singing just become part of the soundscape and it just it becomes mm-hmm. the you know the tune not the the verse and so when you get to these later albums i think it's just the because it's so chopped up, I, I mean, it just becomes even 
more apparent that it, the lyrics don't matter. But it's also very atonal, and it just doesn't connect with the music being played, and so uh, it's just very off-putting to me. I don't know how else to explain. I it. don't know. Maybe later, but I think I think I think some of the songs on OK Computer are almost operatic. Yeah. I mean, yeah. uh, Let Down is an amazing song lyrically. I mean, yeah. Karma Police, I, I, I guess, yeah, it's very um, surrealist, but I, I think the lyrics do make sense in that. It's yeah. like, as they go on further, and he, he, he exhibits more and more writer's block, maybe, yeah. it gets well, weird. Mm-hmm. I mean, to me, it's just, I think the, the thing that's emblematic of later Radiohead is probably going to be the video for Lotus Flower where it's just Tom York doing that spastic dance for like four minutes. And it's like, that's <laughs> when I think of Radiohead in their later stages, that's immediately what comes to mind. It's like, what is going on? What is the purpose of this? It's like, you're just, you know, <laughs> how is this marketing? So, you know. Okay. So like, I got to end it with this question. What is your favorite Radiohead album and what radio al- album basically bucked you from the Bronco made you go, okay, I'm done. Well, uh, I mean, I think I already said it, the Benz, and I fell off on OK Computer, okay. honestly. Which is, that's early, Brian. That's funny. Because uh, yeah. OK Computer's... Well, I'm basic. OK Computer's where I got hooked, and then Hail to the Thief is the one that just uh, dropped me like a, a hot rock. So Okay. And I would say OK Computer's where I said, okay, these guys are fucking awesome. And yeah, uh, Moonshaped Pool is pretty much where I fell off. Um, the last one okay i i recommend everyone though give them a shot maybe listen to that best of and decide where they want to drop in but uh Mm. fucking amazing band just not not easily accessible but i think i think i think worth the shot i mean (laughs) you know take a shot why not and then tell us what you think there's ways to reach out to us um, you can hit us up, well, for, go to our website, maghuge.com, M-A-G-H-U-G-E.com, and you'll find links to all the ways you can tell us what happened for you. So, uh, you can hit us up on Twitter, we're at maghuge, uh, on Instagram or Facebook, we're the Magnificently Huge Podcast, and you can email magnificentlyhuge at gmail.com. And, and if you, uh, if you pay yeah. us through Patreon, uh, you will get special access to nothing because we don't have a Patreon. This is yeah, all free. Patreon, you've got scammed. Yeah. Yeah. Because uh, we don't have one. Uh, um, yeah. But, you know, subscribe to the podcast, share it on social media, and rate us on, on podcast apps. That works. Yeah. So what do yeah. you want for nothing? Uh, <laughs> 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 <laughs>